While we are all still standing, I would like to offer the scripture reading for the sermon today. It comes from Mark chapter 10. I'll be reading verses 13 through 16. Mark 10, 13 through 16. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, this is your word. It is living, active, and very sharp. We do pray that your life and activity will be among us. Bore out our ears so that we may hear your word, and by your Holy Spirit, enable us to follow and to obey and to please you, for we bear your name and long to do so honorably. We pray this through Jesus and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to Jesus so that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. Thus far the reading of God's word, and all of God's children said, Amen. Well, this sermon today is, it may be called an occasional sermon. Uh, Such sermons are those which may address a particular topic or a concern. They might even focus on an event or a season of the church year. So today... On this Sunday of my granddaughter's baptism, I offer this occasional sermon, which will focus on some of the sweetest and most welcoming words of our Savior. Jesus said, permit the children. Allow the children, let the children. These are words which parents long to hear. Not just for their children when they are little ones, but also for those same children when those little ones grow wiser and taller than their parents. We also long for this for our children and for ourselves to hear a like welcome on the final day. Come, enter the joy of your Lord. Permit the children. Take a look at the scene. Take a look at the passage. Some were bringing children to Jesus. Why? Not to be healed. Not to, be, to receive a miracle. Not to be fed, but for this purpose. So that Jesus might touch them. That's why they brought the children. So, the children are brought. We do not know the ages of these children, but it is clear that some of these children needed to be carried. Dr. Luke, in his gospel, refers to them as infants. Some of them were infants. We do not know the ages of all of them. They were the little ones, those infants being carried in the arms of the carriers. 
other children could have been ambulatory. That is, they might have been able to walk or to toddle. And they likely walked along, toddled alongside of their parents, all in the direction of, to Jesus, to be touched. Now, we do not know if these children squawked or squalled or pitched a fit or became antsy. Nor do we know what these child bringers knew about Jesus. This is a wondrous scene. Children with differing abilities, parents with various levels of purpose or clarity or understanding, all going in the right direction to the right person. This wasn't a matter of having it all sorted out, of having connected all the dots, or having figured it all out. Since when do parents have it all figured out anyway? So amidst this pleasant scene, a stop occurs. A chasm opens abruptly, unexpectedly. Jesus' disciples are there as well. These are the very same disciples who have witnessed the Lord rebuking the wind and the waves. So what do these disciples do? They pull out their rebuking credentials. Even as the Lord put a stop to the swirling wind and the surging waves, the disciples now put a stop to this surging invasion of children, this swirling incursion, this interruption of the Master by the little tykes. The momentum is broken. The surge is stopped, as are those who are bringing the children. Hopes are dashed. Jesus' own disciples tell the parents to stop it. Cut it out. The disciples rebuke the parents. What are the parents to do? What could they do? What could they say? After all, these are his disciples. They are the ones who are closest to the Lord. Surely they know what's right. Maybe we stepped out of line. A pleasant scene has turned ugly. Verse 14, our Lord sees this. Jesus sees what's going on. He sees and likely hears the rebuke. If not, he sees the stopping momentum. And he is not pleased. Verse 14 says, he was indignant. Indignant. Then, Jesus speaks words which correspond to the heartbeats of those who are bringing the children. Jesus says, permit the children. Allow 
the children. Jesus gives the desired welcome. Hope is restored. Jesus stops the stoppers. He rebukes the rebukers. He stops them, his disciples, from stopping others. Quit it. Permit the children. Please note, Jesus did not say permit the children to do whatever they want. Jesus said permit the children to come to me. Our Lord then adds a sting. A, a stinging rebuke to the rebukers. Jesus says to his disciples, do not hinder them. Literally, it's stop hindering them. The very thing you're doing, stop it, quit it, cut it out. And he says this to his disciples, to those closest to him, to those who supposedly knew the most, who knew the Lord the best. The Lord's own disciples became a blockade, a barrier, a hindrance to Jesus. Jesus continues, For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus did not point to his hindering disciples and say, The kingdom of God belongs to such like you. Because you know so much. Or because you know who is allowed to come to Jesus and who is allowed to be kept away from Jesus. No. Instead of pointing to the rebukers, Jesus pointed to those who were being carried. Instead of pointing to those who thought they could manage things on their own, he pointed to those who were unable to manage things on their own and needed assistance. The kingdom of God is made up of those who are in need of assistance. They need to be brought, carried, delivered to the deliverer. The kingdom is not made up of know-it-alls and seminary graduates and theology wonks and those who have read all the right fat books. The kingdom is made up of those who are brought to the word himself in weakness, inability, and trust. Jesus presses this home or perhaps he presses the wound Verse 15, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. It would be false to conclude that the children need to become like me or the children need to become like we in order to receive the kingdom. Jesus says rather that we are to be like them. Dependent, carried, in need of being acted upon. So then, now, contrary to the board meeting mentality of 
No children allowed. And the hurricane winds of keep the kids out of the way. Look at what Jesus does. Verse 16, and he took them in his arms. Is she asleep? I might wake her. May I? Thanks, Mommy. Didn't just take a child or the children in his arms. He embraced them. He hugged them. And he laid his hands on them and blessed them. You want to go back to mommy? Yes. Thank you. Jesus took these little ones, scooped them up, held them, began blessing them, laying his hands on them. The welcome from our Lord is to be a great encouragement to every God-fearing parent. Permit the children, let the children come to me, Jesus says. And every God-fearing parent knows that this is a must because we do not know it all and may even at times too often hinder the children, perhaps even our own children. We are shaped by this humility from the very beginning. The Lord gives children and they arrive without an accompanying manual. We are placed in the delightful and trembling position of trusting the one who gave the children. Teach me, Lord, and I shall not hinder them. Sure, others, after the birth of a child, may lovingly share their ideas. Not that that ever happens here. They may suggest an approach. Many suggestions can be offered. Some of them are not even solicited. But God's people are supposed to love God's people. I will give you an example or two. I was warned over the years about something called the terrible twos. They were not terrible. The idea was when they become two, just watch out, it's terrible. We ended up calling those years something else. The, the, the terrific twos. Why? Upon reflection. Those years were terrific in that you could see eyes being opened to the surrounding wonder of creation. The joy of discovery. Lessons we learned from their trust and hope. Lessons we received from their faithfulness which was revealed in the routine of every day or every night, the same storybook or the same story. Read it again, Daddy. 
They were terrific also in that we rejoiced in words being mispronounced. Zebra became weeby. A zipper was a whippy. They didn't speak just right. And they didn't do things just right. And still they were accepted. Perhaps we see something of the acceptance of Christ in this. Oh, by the way, it was not simply the children who didn't have it all figured out. This is also true of the parents. I once set my two-year-old on a hidden ant colony which was thriving under the lawn in our backyard. That was a mistake. Trustingly, she wobbled and stood there. She watched the little crawler swarm her feet and then start the ascent, climbing her legs. My wife sounded the alarm, and then I made another mistake. I rushed to her, grabbed her, and this flurry of motion alerted the little crawlers to become little biters. They bit. She screamed. I wiped. She wailed. I could not brush the little ants off in time. And the ants, though now dead, still speak. We learned. A few years later, one time in the midst of speaking to my son about diligence and hard work, we went to Proverbs 6, which told us to go to the ant. We both wanted to do this, and we both knew of a huge ant pile just down the street. We decided to go to the ant pile. I said, let's go. My son, perhaps recalling the ant issue with his sister, for it was spoken about, asked, Dad? How are we going to get close enough to the ants to do this, to obey the Bible and not get swarmed and bit? Good question. (laughs) We decided to hop into my 1995 Chevy Silverado and we backed the truck up to the huge ant pile, dropped the tailgate, put some outside blankets in the bed of the truck, And he and I together laid there, belly down, heads hanging over the tailgate, and we watched the ants. We went to the ant pile, and we talked about them, and we learned from them. In permitting our children to come to the Lord, we acknowledge that we don't have it all together. We direct, we point, we bring our children to the one who is able and who also tells us what to do. Go to the ant pile. And in so doing, we are saying and we are showing 
sweetheart, beloved children, this is beyond me, but it is not beyond our Lord, His ways and His wisdom. I will conclude with this. In all of this, instead of a railing rebuke, hear that in all of this there is a greater grace, grace greater than all of our sin. Bless you. The great grace is seen in that our Lord allows the starting and eventual wisdom of parents who bring their children to Jesus because it is right and good to be pointed to the Lord instead of oneself. And if mommies and daddies can never say, Dear one, I have sinned. I have failed. I will continue to sin, but I will point you to the one who is always faithful. I bring you to him. A mommy or a daddy who never confesses sin likely cannot bring their children to Jesus. Or they'll say, you go and I'll watch. I don't ever want to hear a child say, well, daddy, don't you need to be in the presence of Jesus too? This is a great grace. And finally, the children are most welcome. Jesus receives the children even when disciples or parents misstep and are mistaken. Our Lord rules and overrules. And this is good news. So permit the children. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.